Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Well, this being November the 23rd, we're celebrating here in the States our Thanksgiving. So, happy Thanksgiving. Now, in, in, with this thought, there's probably the, the, the best known verse, though not the only one, but, but the, the best, best known verse is probably found in 1 Thessalonians, uh, verses 16 to 18. It reads like this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and then our Thanksgiving verse, In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, Someone once said that, with regards to the Thanksgiving meal, may your stuffing be tasty, may your turkey be plump, May your potatoes and gravy have nary a lump. May your yams be delicious and your pies take the prize. And may your Thanksgiving dinner stay off of your thighs. And Irma Bombeck once said about her family and their Thanksgiving dinner, I come from a family where gravy is considered a beverage. And I I tell you, my family can identify with that as well. Well, here at His Hill, we're celebrating the 48th annual Thanksgiving conference. And today we will celebrate by all sitting down and eating the Thanksgiving meal together. Audrey, who is our head cook and has been on the podcast, uh, who, along with her assistants, will prepare again this incredible meal for Thanksgiving. We'll be eating turkey, and stuffing, potatoes, cranberry sauce, all the fixings. And then for dessert, we'll be able to choose among all the different flavors of pies. Mine's going to be pecan. I can't wait. And of course, some of us will be in pain for the rest of the day, simply because, well, we ate too much. Now for some of us, that's all we'll be thankful for. Just a really nice meal. And you may say, well, what else do I have to be thankful for right now? I mean, there's been times in my life that are good, but this one is not one of them. How can you say be thankful? Well, listen, I know that we're living in a time that's it's really troublesome for many believers. A time where right is called wrong, black is called white, and lies are insisted to be truth. A time when there is just this adamacy that homosexuality is normal or that we could even be born in the wrong, the wrong sex or the wrong gender and that even premarital sex is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I've even heard a Christian say that the Bible says nothing against that. Well, at the same time in the world, there's many protesting in the streets over the Israel's response to this terrorist organization that has kidnapped approximately 240 people and raped and murdered over 1,200 Jews and other other nationalities. I also know people who have lost their loved ones, some to disease and automobile accidents and others even to murder. So how can I say we should be thankful? Now, all these things serve as a reminder that times don't change. Nothing's new under the sun. The Thessalonians were a group of young believers who had to deal with 
persecution because of their newfound faith in Christ. They had to face daily an immoral, a perverted society that was really just outside their door. And in the midst of this very real darkness, Paul wrote these words to them. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And give thanks in everything. What did he mean by this? Let's start in verse 16 with the word rejoice. That word there, again in verse 16, actually means be glad. It's related to a word that we find in James 1 verse 2 where we read, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. And the word joy there also means gladness. You know, over the years... I've found that many Christians want to make the life of Christ so palatable that they that we we want to read scripture in a way that we can agree with it. So we start with what we want. And I found this to be true with the word joy. I've had Christians insist that, you know, joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is an emotion while joy is a state of being. Well, that's an interesting argument, but you know, if you go to the dictionary, you'll find that part of the definition for joy is happiness, and part of the definition of happiness is joy. And if you do a word study on the word joy as used in Scripture, you'll find that it describes an emotion and not simply a state of being. One example is found in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, where we read, I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy, same word, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And I don't think anybody would try to say that the joy that's described here, which is the same word, is simply a state of being. But when it's associated with the trials in our life, then all of a sudden we want it to mean something different. So what does the hurting and beaten down believer have to rejoice over? Well, we've got to look at this within the context. And if we back up in chapter 5 and look at verses 4 and 5, we read this, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief, For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. And then in verse 9 it says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. And remember, within the context, he's he's telling people who are experiencing dark times, trial. So according to the context here, we are to rejoice over the fact that we are sons of light and sons of the day, that we are not destined for wrath, but for obtaining salvation on account of or because of through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when I was a young man, I was on a basketball team, and uh, we we were thoroughly beat one game. It was a away game, and uh, it was the score was sixty-seven to twenty-one. That number is burned into my memory. 
It hurt. It was embarrassing. But you know what? It didn't change the fact that I was Phil Darty's son. I was on my way home after the game on the team bus, full of losers of a basketball game. But that bus wasn't my final destination. If it were, then things would have been hopeless. But though I was sad with regards to the outcome of the game, that loss was not the def- that was not to, to define me. Despite the loss, I was still Phil Darty's son. You see, I lived in his house with my own room. I swam in his pool. I drove my own car that he gave me. And I ate the food that he paid for. I went home from that game confident that despite being a loser of a basketball game, it had not changed my destination for that evening. I was on my way to Dad's house. The loss had not changed my position as Phil's son. Look, if you have placed your faith in Christ, then despite your disappointment in life, your hurt or your confusion... Despite the wrong that's been done to you, your identity is in Christ and not in your hurt, not in your confusion or the wrong that's been done to you. Your identity is found in the one who has not changed. Jesus himself said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you in Hebrews 13, 5. And then again in Matthew 28, 20, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age and to his sheep. In John chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus said, I, have give, I give eternal life to them, and they will not perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So, believer, rejoice. Next, in verse 17, we're told to pray without ceasing. That word pray, what does Paul mean when he says to pray? When I was looking at this passage and saw the word, Matthew 6 came to mind, where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And listen to what he, how he starts this prayer. Pray then in this way, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see what's going on here? Prayer is a time for us to come in line with God and His will, your name, your kingdom, your will. E. Stanley Jones said it like this, Prayer is surrender. Surrender to the will of God in cooperation with that will. If I throw out a boat, a boat hook from the boat and catch hold of the shore and pull, do I pull the shore to me? Or do I pull myself to the shore? Prayer is not pulling God to my will, but the aligning of my will to the will of God. We all like to quote Galatians 2.20, don't we? But do we mean what we say in quoting it? I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. If this is his life, then it must be lived his way. 
And therefore, how we pray ought to agree with this truth. So, then how should the hurting and the beaten down believer pray? Well, again, the context. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. So believers, we are to pray for what is his will for us. And that would be that we live as sons of light and sons of day, that we not live as though we are destined for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the privilege of living in your light as found in Christ. I ask for your wisdom in this as I face the situations of life today, that you be glorified. Now, you've heard me mention from time to time on the podcast that my family has a family business. Well, from time to time, we like to offer deals to our customers. And one of them is something called buy one and get a second one free. Now, all the customer has to do is use the code BOGO, which is familiar, which is a familiar code to, uh, to season shopper, shoppers, and it stands for buy one, get one. And that means buy one, get one free. Now, suppose a customer places her order with go-go instead of bogo. Go-go, get one, get one. <laughs> now, while the customer may, customer may want two free products, that's not the will of our company, so she won't receive either. But if she asks according to the correct code, that is in line with our will as a company and she'll receive what we've promised. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7, it says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds And to him who knocks, it will be opened. What man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? And so we pray according to his will. And we're told again in in our passage that we are to pray without ceasing. And Ephesians 6.18 would agree. There we read with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. 
What does this mean? Pray without ceasing. Praying at all times. I appreciate um, gotquestions.org. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll go there just to see what they have to say on certain things. And with this in regard, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? I found this. As we go through the day, prayer should be our first response to every fearful situation. Every anxious thought and every undesired task that God commands. A lack of prayer will cause us to depend on ourselves instead of depending on God's grace. Unceasing prayer is, in essence, continual dependence upon the communion with the Father. Again, unceasing prayer is, in essence, continual dependence upon and communion with the Father. Robert E. Lee once issued this challenge. Knowing that intercessory prayer is our mightiest weapon and the supreme call for all Christians today, I pleadingly urge our people everywhere to pray, believing that prayer is the greatest contribution that our people can make in this critical hour. I humbly urge that we take time to pray, to really pray. Let there be prayer at sunup, at noonday, at sundown, at midnight, all through the day. Let us all pray for our children, our youth, our aged, our pastors, our homes. Let us pray for our churches. Let us pray for ourselves that we may not lose the word concern out of our Christian vocabulary. Let us pray for our nation. Let us pray for those who have never known Jesus Christ and redeeming love, for moral forces everywhere, for our national leaders. Let us pray or let prayer be our passion. Let prayer be our practice. And finally, Warren Wiersbe explained this praying without ceasing this way. Prayer or pray without ceasing does not mean we must always be mumbling prayers. The word means constantly recurring, not continuously occurring. Again, the word means constantly recurring, not continuously occurring. We are to keep the receiver off the hook, he says, and be in touch with God so that our praying is part of a long conversation that is not broken. So, believer, rejoice and pray. Now, I believe we need to understand this, understand what Paul means when he says rejoice and pray before we can truly be ready to give thanks. In verse 18, he says, give thanks. As we go about our day and the worries and trials of life come in on us, as believers in the Lord Jesus, we are to be praying with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in 
everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. In Colossians 4, 2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So we're to let our requests be known to God. We're to devote ourselves to prayer with an attitude of thanksgiving. And this word, thanks. Give thanks. I appreciate what Tozer says here. He says that sometimes I go to God and say, God, if you never answer another prayer while I live on this earth, I will still worship you as long as I live and in the ages to come for what you have done already. God's already put me so far in debt that I If I were to live one million millenniums, I couldn't pay him for what he has done for me. And that makes me think of Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts, and with my song, I shall thank him. And again in Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good for his loving kindness is everlasting. So with this in mind, what should the hurting and the beaten down believer be thankful for? Again, you know where I'm going. The context. First Thessalonians 5 and 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Verse 9, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. We are, according to the context, to give thanks that we as believers are sons of light and sons of day that we do not have to live as though we are destined for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Irma Bombeck shared this story and this thought that she had with regards to this young lady that she knew. She said that every time I forget to feel grateful, I hear the voice of an eight-year-old named Christina who had cancer of the nervous system. When asked what she wanted for her birthday, she thought long and hard and finally said, I don't know. I have two sticker books and a doll. I have everything. Wow. Do we understand the same thing as believers? The believer is to be thankful that in Christ we are in need of nothing else. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 say this, For in him, for in Christ, all the fullness of deity, deity, all the fullness of God, in Christ, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. And in him, 
you have been made complete. And he's the head over all rule and authority. So in other words, in Christ, we have everything. So believer, rejoice, pray, and be thankful. Remember the Thessalonians were going through a truly dark and hard time. Yet they were being encouraged by Paul to continue in rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in everything. You see, this rejoicing and praying and thanksgiving was to be a continuous reality, always without ceasing in everything. Paul described it this way in Philippians 1.21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And he said that while going through the trial of prison. How could Paul and the Thessalonian believers do this? How could they rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks? I think E. Stanley Jones explains it well when he says, The early Christians did not say in dismay, Look what the world has come to. But in delight, look what has come to the world. Folks, they had their eyes fixed on Jesus. And they saw him. Therefore, they could rejoice always and pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. They saw Jesus. Their eyes are fixed on him. And they see him. Do you? Thanks for listening. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. Our 48th annual Thanksgiving conference began on Tuesday of this week and concludes tomorrow, and it has been a lovely week so far. It is always such a gift to see familiar faces return to the hilltop and be reminded of the sweet gift of fellowship and the common love for Christ we all have. If you would like to join in on what's happening on the hilltop this week, you can head on over to our website at hishill.org to listen to sessions from Peter Reed and Charles Price. Session times can be found on our website as well. Thank you again for tuning in with us this week to another episode of the His Hill Podcast. Let the peace of Christ, to which you were indeed called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ, and on behalf of the staff here at The Hill, I'd like to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. See you next week.